Hi, this is Nathan. My passion is to provide Christ-centered Bible teaching and resources that glorifies God and will encourage and equip you to grow spiritually and live a Christ-centered life. If you would like more resources to help you understand the Word of God and cultivate a passionate love for Jesus that turns the world upside down, please visit deeperchristian.com. Now, grab your Bible as we dive into this message from God's Word. Uh, just as a quick review, we've walked through, this is our fifth one uh, in, that we're going to be looking at here in John chapter 11. Uh, we looked at the I am the bread of life, the fact that he is the manna that has come down from heaven. Uh, we've talked about, the, by the way, that's a John chapter 6. John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and that he is the light of the life, which is uh, this beautiful idea that he is the light of the midst of darkness, that he, he is to remove every ounce of darkness, and all of that obviously is contained, uh, even, a, even the picture of the uh, Genesis uh, chapter 1 account of uh, speaking forth light into existence. Uh, in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus says that I am the gate or the door of the sheep. And the fact that he's the entrance, he's the protection and the security of the sheep. He goes on uh, later on in John chapter 10, he says that I am the good shepherd. And again, he is doing the work of a shepherd uh, in our lives. So he's providing for us, he's protecting for us, he's giving direction to us, uh, which is absolutely amazing. And so as we walk into the fifth one uh, this morning, it's this idea of I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, interesting thought, I, I just kind of, <laughs> probably taunt on me, it's amazing as, you, as you're studying scripture that as you get further and further into whatever it is you're studying, uh, pieces are, start to fit together in a different way, and uh, as I was looking at this idea of I am the resurrection and the life that Jesus makes, it suddenly dawned on me that Jesus, and we know all this, but Jesus is really big on life, <laughs> you know? In fact, John is just crazy with that idea that, that Jesus has come not just to give you life, but to give you life abundant. And that kind of an idea. And again, it seems like throughout the Gospels specifically, but even in the rest of the New Testament, uh, and you, you could even argue even in the Old Testament, but God's big agenda is life. In fact, one of my all-time favorite scholars, Sandy McConaughey, one of her favorite statements is the fact that God's number one focus and deal and agenda is to bring life. That here we are, we are in the middle of death, here we are in the middle of darkness, and what is God wanting to do in our life? He's wanting to bring forth his light, or life. It's interesting to me, as I was looking at this idea of the resurrection and the life, how suddenly all the pieces of these I am statements suddenly went, oh, I get it. And that the undercurrent of every I am statement that Jesus makes is life, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. Isn't it interesting? He says, I am the bread of life, that I am the light of life. Isn't that interesting? Uh, he says uh, that I am the gate, which was what? Leads to life. I mean, it seems like every single, I am the good shepherd that brings life, that I am the vine the good vine, right, that, that you are to be connected to. Why? So that you might have life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. 
And I just found it very interesting that the undercurrent of every single I am statement <clears throat> that Jesus makes is this idea of life, which is just, ah, that, I just think that's beautiful. <laughs> I just think that's amazing. And uh, <clears throat> even before we jump into the actual context of John chapter 11, just want to give you a quick reminder. We've been, we've been saying this in every single I am statement session that we've been walking through. But it's amazing to me that when we're talking about the I am, again, <clears throat> Jesus is hearkening back into the Old Testament. And he's pulling out that idea of Yahweh, right? The, it's the name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. Uh, Moses says, who are you? And he says, I am. <laughs> I am who I am. And that idea, it bespeaks of the eternal, unchanging reality of who God is. He was, he is, he always will be. He's always the same. And it's amazing in, in, the, in the Greek here in, in the I am statements that Jesus is making, the I am is in the present tense, uh, which bespeaks of this idea that it's not just the now, it's the forever now idea. Meaning, whenever you're in the present, this is true. It's that kind of an idea. So when, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, I am the manna that has come down from heaven, he's not just saying, well, once upon a time, remember back in Egypt? Yeah, you know, we got out of Egypt and we're in the wilderness and manna came down. Yeah, I was the manna. It's not that I was that back then. It's not that I'm the bread of life back then. It's not that I'm your supply back then. I am your supply right now. And just as I was, I am now, and I forever will be this. I just think that's marvelous. Because I don't know about you, as, as we begin to talk about the fact that he's the shepherd, or that, that he is the light, or he is, he is our sustenance, he's our bread, or, or the idea that this morning that, hey, he is the resurrection and the life, do you realize that this wasn't something that he did in the past? This is who he is right now. And I need him as this right now. <laughs> Just like you need him like this right now. Well, the context of John chapter 11 is rather fascinating. Uh, earlier in John chapter 11, uh, Lazarus gets sick. And obviously it's a very severe sickness, and it seems like he's just on his deathbed. And so Martha sends Jesus a message, and she says, Jesus, hey, you're, hey your best friend, Lazarus, is about to die. And hey, we know your miracles, wonders, and signs. We know that you, hey, you can deal with this. So would you come over and help your friend? And Jesus hears about it, and he purposely tarries. He waits a couple extra days. So by the time he makes the, the day journey over to, to Bethany where Lazarus and Mar Mary and Martha were at, Lazarus has died and he's been dead for four days. Now that's really significant because in the Jewish thought process of the soul, the idea was is that on the fourth day, that is when the soul actually left the body and went into Sheol. And so the idea was, is, well, <clears throat> if you're going to raise someone from the dead, surely, I mean, I mean, no one had ever seen this kind of stuff. I mean, yes, Jesus had raised a few people from the dead by this point. But you, but you realize that if you're going to raise someone from the dead, you better do it within a couple of days. <laughs> because by the fourth day, whoosh, soul's gone. Hey, there, there's no more chance. So if you can imagine the agony of Mary and Martha that they, they knew that Jesus had the ability. They knew Jesus had the, the option to, to, to heal the sickness. And here they are, his bro their brother is now dead. Not just dead, but he's been dead for four days. 
Meaning what little hope they may have still had has now been removed. And Jesus shows up on the scene and Martha runs over to him and just says, Jesus, where were you at? And, and Lord, this is a verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Hey, you could have healed the sickness and he would have just been fine. But even now you know that whatever you may ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus makes an interesting statement in verse 23. He says, your brother will rise again. Now, please understand this. <clears throat> I, I looked this up. I looked at a whole bunch of scholars to see, to see where their thoughts were on this. And it seems like all of them were suggesting, at least all the ones that I could find, were suggesting this idea that there is nothing in any of Jesus' statements in the passage that kind of hints at the idea that he would actually raise Lazarus from the dead. So even as he's talking, as we're about to get into, this idea that he is the resurrection and the life, there is no promise, there is no guarantee that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Now, we know the story, and he does raise Lazarus from the dead. But we got to recognize, or at least we got to see this aspect of the story from the shoes of Martha. There is, there is no hope. And so she says, hey, I, I know, I, Jesus, I know that he will rise again in that last day. And Jesus makes this phenomenal statement in verse 25. He says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, verse 27, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, again, nowhere in the statement does Jesus make a promise that he's actually going to raise Lazarus from the dead. I think this is interesting. As you're looking at the overarching context of this I am statement, you realize the whole story is about Lazarus, but it's not about Lazarus. <laughs> In other words, this whole thing is about Lazarus being dead, Lazarus being raised from the dead. But really, the emphasis of the story is not upon Lazarus. The emphasis of the story is upon Martha and Mary. Maybe if I can say it this way. The story of what's happening in John chapter 11 is more for those who have to live with death. In other words, yet yeah, it involves Lazarus who has died, but it's really the story about Mary and Martha and their position and their trust in Jesus. And really what, what's going on in the passage of John chapter 11 is more of the idea of, well, well how, how does someone who has to live with death, how does someone who has to live with the grief, how does someone who has to live with this, I'm not sure where I'm going to place my hope, that, that's what is going on in the passage. And again, the whole emphasis of what's going on, specifically in this I am statement, <clears throat> is centered around even, even more than Jesus being the resurrection and the life. Though that, we're going to get into that. That is so amazing and phenomenal. The undercurrent of even what Jesus says in that is really all about belief. Now that, that should make sense to you if, you if you know the Gospel of John. John... Uh, even at the very end of his book, he says the whole reason why I'm writing the Gospel of John is so that you might believe and really put your hope and trust in Jesus that you may have life. Now that word belief is interesting 
<clears throat> it's really the idea of faith. It's, it's the action of faith. Faith is the noun. Believe in English is the verb. Uh, but it's the same word in, in the Greek. And the verb of this word for believe or for faith isn't a, do you believe this mentally? The idea here is more this idea of trust. It really has this idea of, uh, the, the illustration I have to give is the, uh, that, the, the idea of a parachute. So we get up on a plane, I push you out of the plane, <laughs> I take a parachute, <clears throat> and I throw the parachute down to you, and I say, do you believe in the parachute? And of course, you're looking up there going, yes, it's right there. <laughs> That's not going to help you. <laughs> that doesn't help you at all. Well, what do you need to do? You need, you need to put your trust in that parachute. So you need to like somehow make your way over to the parachute, and you take the parachute, and you put the parachute on, and you cling to the parachute with all that you have. Why? Because it is your sole means of salvation. That's how John uses the word believe. In fact, you could even put the word trust in this passage. It actually, it actually helps bring some clarity. <clears throat> Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who trusts in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and trusts in me shall never die. Do you trust this, Martha? And Martha says, yes, Lord, I trust that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. See, it's not just, Martha, do you, do you agree mentally that, that I am the resurrection and the life? Jesus says, hey, this is, <clears throat> go, beyond, go beyond the mental thing. Do you, do you have a strong conviction? Are, are you actually going to hold tight to me like you would hold tight to a parachute? Hey, are, are you putting your trust practically in me, says Jesus? Now, Jesus, in the middle of all this, again, makes this phenomenal statement. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's interesting, on the other I am statements, life is almost the, the promise, the result, the, the reality of, of the I am statement. I am the bread of life. I am the light of life. It, it, that's how Jesus has been using this. But now, it's like he's bringing even greater clarity to this, to this idea of life. And he says that I am the resurrection and the life. Not the resurrection of life. I am the resurrection and the life. So I want to talk about this idea of the resurrection. And what does that mean? Now, in the next I am statement, which we're going to be getting into uh, next week in John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Again, making that phenomenal declaration that he is life itself. It's not that he has life, he is life. In this passage, he's so acquainting himself with this idea of resurrection and life. It's not that he gives resurrection. It's not that he gives life. He is it. He is resurrection. He is life. It's really strong and quite amazing. <clears throat> So let's look at this idea of resurrection. You realize in the passage, resurrection is more than, event, more than an event. See, in Martha's mind, resurrection was this thing that's going to happen someday in the future where, hey, Lazarus, who's been dead, you know, God's going to do something, and hey, there's going to be a resurrection. Woo, praise the Lord. And Jesus says, yeah, but I'm it. <laughs> So this is not some event we have to wait for. Martha, I am the resurrection itself. 
And again, he is linking himself to this idea of resurrection. In other words, he is the source, the power of the resurrection. He is the life itself. By the way, you, you realize that resurrection, we're going to talk about this in a second, but just maybe this will help clarify some things. Resurrection demands death. It requires death. That if you're going to have resurrection, it means something has died, which means you're dragging it out of the death and bringing it into life. And I love the fact that Jesus is clarifying. It's not that he's just the, the, the essence or the power that pulls someone out of the death. He is that which is being pulled into. He is the life. Which is, ah, oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. So think about this. Again, the resurrection is not some event. Martha has been putting her hope in the fact that there's this, this event. There was hope, Jesus, that if you were here before he died, you could have healed him. But now he's dead. So the only hope I now have is in some future event. That, it, that if, hey, at some point in the future, things are going to change and woo, it's going to be good. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Martha, I am to be your hope. That your hope is standing in front of you. I, mean, I don't know about you, but I am so guilty of this. <laughs> How often have we said, well, when I just get out of this season, oh, if I just change my jobs, oh, if I would just move, oh, if, if, if I could just do this, oh, you know, the grass is greener on the other side, so if I could just get over there, woo, uh, uh, things would be great. Oh, if I could just get through this day, oh, you know, when the coronavirus thing just, when that thing finally gets done, woo, there's hope. And all of our hope is in this future event kind of a thing. Wouldn't it be fascinating if our hope was not summoned in some future event, would it be interesting if our hope was in a person named Jesus, smack dab in the middle of whatever it is that we're dealing with right now? Again, the whole, the whole context of what's happening is it, it, the, the message is for the people who are dealing with death. We're not talking about the dead people. We're talking about the ones who are having to deal with the fact that there's a dead person. Wouldn't it be interesting in the middle of that kind of a situation if our hope wasn't in some future thing? Though, hey, there, we do have hope in a future thing. But what if our hope wasn't just in a future thing? What if our hope was in Jesus who was right here, right now, in the midst of the death? See, wouldn't it be interesting in this, the middle of this corona craziness if we didn't have, well, when we got finally out of this thing and everyone gets back to the jobs and, woo, you know, we can go back on vacation and, you know, we can actually leave our houses and we can... Wouldn't it be interesting if our hope wasn't in some future event? What if our hope was in Jesus right now in the middle of whatever it is that we are facing? And it's like, you know what? In the middle of this corona craziness, I have hope. Oh, how do you have hope? Because I have Jesus in the middle of the corona craziness. Hey, Lazarus has died. Wouldn't it be interesting if I didn't have hope the fact that someday he'll, he'll rise from the, from the dead? Hey, sure, but... What if I could have hope now, not as some future event, but in the reality that Jesus is with me right now in whatever I am facing? See, resurrection is, not, is, is more than an event. It's, it's more than a hope in the future. This idea that he is the resurrection means that I get to have hope right now, no matter what I'm facing. That's encouraging to me. There's another idea with this idea of resurrection that it's not some mere future event. It is, but it's not just a mere future event. It's a present reality. 
uh, we know that in, in, the, in the New Testament, there's, there's several passages that talk about the fact that, that we are going to be raised bodily with Christ. Ugh. So just as Christ was raised physically from the dead, so too there's going to be a resurrection of our bodies. And I can't wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. And so yeah, there, there, is this, there is this future hope of this idea of the resurrection uh, of us physically. But you realize that it's not just a future thing, it's a present reality. Scholars often call this idea the now and not yet. That we get to experience something right now, and yet it hasn't come to its full completion or fulfillment. Uh, in fact, if you've been walking through our Ephesians series on Tuesdays, that idea showed up in this idea of the inheritance. At the end, uh, in the middle of chapter 1, the end of the blessing section, verses 13 and 14, Paul talks about the fact that we have an inheritance in Christ Jesus, but it's merely the down payment. We will receive the down payment of the Holy Spirit in our life right now. And you say, oh, so I, I have my inheritance. Yes, but not all of it. See, you, you, you get to experience your inheritance now, but it's, it's a now and not yet thing. That, that there's still more to come, that there's still a fulfillment on, on the horizon, and, and yes, we should be expecting, and yes, we should be excited for what's coming but let's not be so future-focused that we miss the present present. The gift that we have right now in the present. That, that we, get to, we get to experience resurrection and life right now. Not just some future hope. Now, there's another idea in this idea of resurrection, which is this idea that it's, it's not just some abstract, vague concept, but it is to be a concrete reality in our life. See, Martha is picking up on this idea of this last day, which is this Jewish idea that, uh, that a lot of the rabbis, and, you know, some of the Pharisees, rabbis of that day were talking about the fact that, all right, well, in this, in this future day, God is going to, you know, bring life and, and, and resurrect, you know, resurrect the Jews from the dead and all that kind of stuff. And Martha says, well, okay, I believe in that, but I don't, I don't know all the details, and it seems a little abstract, and how's it going to look, and do, do I get my same body? Do I, do I get an upgrade? Do I get to be like Superman, or, you know, do I, you know, like, do I get the same facial features? I hope not. You know, I mean, it's just like, how do, so, I mean, it's a little abstract. And Martha says, well, I, I, have, I have belief in that. And Jesus is trying to turn her gaze and say, Martha, put your hope here. Hey, put your belief here. Put your trust here. In me, that that it's it that, that that the hope is not to be some future thing. Yeah, have the future hope, but it's not just a mere future thing. It's to be a present thing. It's not just the present though. It's it's to move from this abstract to a concrete conviction and reality in Martha's life. When when Jesus asked the question, "Do you believe this?" at the end of verse twenty six, he's really asking, "Do you believe in me?" Hey, do you put your trust? In me. Hey, are you going to have some future hope in this abstract concept? Hey, or are you going to have a present concrete conviction in who I am and what I'm able to do right now? Is what Jesus is saying. Another idea of this idea of resurrection is that resurrection, get this, is a passageway through death. It's not a removal of the death. It is a passageway through through death. 
In other words, though you may physically die, you're not going you're, you're to die. <laughs> I mean, yes, you're going to die. But that's not the end, that there's actually life in the midst of death. Uh, one pastor said it this way. I just really liked how he phrased it. He said, resurrection happens not in spite of death, but because of it. Christian faith offers hope because it faces death squarely and moves through it, not around it. It means that pain, disappointment, and heartache are not final realities. Woo! Praise Jesus! <laughs> are you dealing with difficulty? Hey, there's resurrection. Hey, are you dealing with death? Hey, there's resurrection. Hey, are you dealing with disappointment? Hey, there's resurrection. Hey, are you dealing with the corona craziness? Hey, there's resurrection. That there is life in the midst of death. And you realize that the only way to experience resurrection is you have to experience death. That's interesting to me. That, that the reality of resurrection is you're taking something that is dead and you're bringing it into life. And Jesus says, it's not just that I'm, I'm the power to yank you out of that. I am that which I'm being, you're being yanked into because I am that life. And isn't it interesting that, that we, are, we are called to have life in the midst of death, that we're to have death to our flesh and death to ourselves. Why? That he might have life, bring forth life, be our life in the midst of that. And even in a physical sense, hey, yes, we all physically die, but there is hope. Why? Because this is not the end. There, there's actually something greater than the physical death thing. I'll come back to that in just one second. Another idea with this idea of resurrection is that it's not, a resurrection is not a returning to what once was. A resurrection is this idea of trans, a transformation into something even greater. See, most of us, when we, when we think resurrection, we, we think actually of recita uh, 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 resuscitation. In other words, it's, it's returning to what once was. Uh, you know, you're on the beach and, and someone drowns, and so the lifeguard grabs the person, brings them on the beach, starts pumping their chest, right, doing the CPR thing, and if suddenly they cough up all the water, and whoo, you realize that's not resurrection. That's resuscitation. That, that they're bringing something back into what once was. Resurrection, though, is far greater than that. It has this idea of transformation, and you're getting something completely better. Now, that same pastor said it this way. I, I just like this. He said, the, the way people talk about resurrection, I wonder if many times they mean resuscitation instead. The two are different. Resuscitation means bringing back to life, returning life to the way it once was. Resurrection means a whole new life, a different life. Isn't that good? See, when we're talking about the fact that Jesus is the resurrection, it doesn't mean, woo, he restored. It's not that he's restoring us. Yeah, maybe if you want to say he's restored us back to what once was in the sense of the garden, how God made us, Sure. But the reality is, hey, we are full of death. Hey, we are full of sin. Hey, we are full of corruption. Hey, we are full of pride. He's not restoring us in that sense. He's not just cleaning us up and wiping our faces and saying, all right, well, at least you're better. But we still have all the junk. See, he is bringing resurrection out of that, that he's yanking us out of death, and he's bringing us into life. I love what Colossians says. Colossians, Paul says, do you not realize 
that what is happening is he has transferred you. He has yanked you out of the kingdom of darkness, and he's now placing you in the kingdom of his dear son, which is the kingdom of light, a kingdom of life. That this isn't a merely, you know, clean yourself up and tap, pat you on the head and say, well, just try better. See, there's none of that going on in Scripture. The idea is, is that, hey, you are dead. In fact, in Ephesians, this is really strong. Hey, that, hey you are dead in your sins. That, hey, you are, you're not just, you are so spiritually dead, there is no life within you. So what is Jesus doing? He's bringing resurrection in you. And yes, we do have a physical resurrection hope for the future, but you realize we have a spiritual resurrection hope right now, which is so good. And again, it's not, a, it's not merely a restoration as much as it is a transformation into something even greater. Isn't it interesting that when we die and we, uh, physically we are, we are resurrected, you realize that it's going to be greater than what we have right now. That we're not, hey, we... We are not going to be tarnished by sin and the sin nature and all the death that surrounds us. That the, the, the resurrection physically that we have in the future is going to be far greater than what we have now. Same thing is true spiritually. And Jesus says, I am that. I am that transformation. I am that reality. I, I am all that you are longing and needing for in your life. Uh, lastly, there's this idea in this resurrection that resurrection is not the end, but the means to a greater life. Isn't it a great thought that death is not the end? One of the things I've just been really in interested with this whole cor coronavirus thing is how fixated culture is upon death and how everyone is just nervous and frustrated and, 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 and angst and anxiety and just turmoil and just they are living in fear why because death is looming and if i catch it oh no i'm going under and and yeah they i don't want to downplay you know the, the realities of what people are facing but as a christian do you know how good it is to realize that death is merely the doorway into greater life uh, you have this little baby who's in the womb of the mother and there's this doorway that that little baby's about to experience. And if you can imagine, you've been growing up for nine whole months and, and you've been experiencing the joys and, you know, and hey, it's a little dark, but hey, this has been blissful. And, you know, it's just, oh, this is nice. It's warm and you get pampered. And there, I, I would imagine if, if, if a baby had the cognizance to imagine that at the birthing process, there's a tremendous, there's a potential for tremendous fear because there's this unknown thing. There's this passageway but, of course, we look at that and go, yeah, but the passageway leads to greater life. You don't want to be stuck in someone's womb for all, you know, forever. Mercy. So the, 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 the birthing process, it just allows you to experience greater life. Do you realize that death for us is merely the birthing process into the greater reality of eternal life? That it's not something to fear. In fact, we should just be like, whoa, I can't wait. In fact, I love what Paul writes about all that. He just... He's constantly saying, you know what, I, I am so longing for my Jesus and the intimacy that I get to experience that, man, I, I'm willing to go now. But for your sakes, <laughs> I, I, will, I will endure with you a little longer. But yeah, we, we get to experience life, and it's phenomenal. And I'm, I, don't, I mean, I, I love life. 
But death for a Christian is merely the doorway into something even greater. And it is something far better. Death is not the most important thing. Life. Jesus is the most important thing. Now, if you don't have Jesus, death is going to be fearful. Sure. But if you have Jesus, woo! Hey, this is something to look forward to. Because, yeah, it's the end of this season, but just like the birthing process is the end of a, is, 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 is the, end of the you know, growing process in the womb season. We don't want to be stuck in that. I don't want to be stuck in this life forever. Why? Because I just, there's something greater. I get to have greater intimacy with him. I get to have life abundant on a whole nother level. Paul says that what we get to experience now is, is but like a, 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 a dim mirror that you just kind of look in. It's like this fogged over glass. It's really a piece of brass that you're just kind of trying to see your reflection in. But then we shall see clearly face to face. So there's this idea that the resurrection then is, is merely the entrance into something even greater. Mm, love that. Now, with all that in mind, Jesus, look at this again. Lazarus has died, and Martha just said, Jesus, where were you? Jesus says, hey, he's going ri- to rise again. She says, I know. And in some future event, he's going to rise. Jesus says, no, no, no. Turn your focus, Martha. Turn your gaze, Martha. Come on. Where is your belief? Where is your trust? Jesus says, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Wouldn't it be interesting if we had Martha's response? Wouldn't it be be so good for us like Martha to look at what, is, what she is facing, the fact that she's in the midst of this death, in the midst of all this turmoil and grief, that she's in the middle of all this crisis, and she's in the middle of all this agony, she's in the middle of all this craziness, and in the middle of that kind of a situation, she changes her focus from a future thing to a present Jesus. She turns her focus from a future hope to a present hope in Jesus. And wouldn't it be interesting if we, like Martha, had the same response? In verse 27, it would just say, yes, Jesus I believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus, I'm going to trust you. Jesus, you have my belief. Jesus, you are my hope. Jesus, you're going to be my life. Jesus, hey, you're my resurrection. Jesus, see, would you have that kind of response? If we were to look at your life, where is your hope found? Hey, if we were to look at your life, where do you put your trust? If we were to look at your life, where, where, is, your, where is your gaze? Hey, if we looked at how you've lived during this last month or two during the coronavirus stuff, what would we say is the tenor of your life? Would it be Jesus? That in the midst of all this, Jesus is your hope, Jesus is your trust, Jesus is your focus, Jesus is your delight. Where is your focus, your belief, your trust, your expectation? Martha has Lazarus, four days gone. There is no more hope. But Jesus shows up on the scene and suddenly her hope is shifted. I mean, there was a future hope, but Jesus says, I'm it. 
Would we have that with Jesus? It's, it's interesting when you look at, again, this idea of just the resurrection and the life. Each of the I am statements has, has a promise that was always tied to it. I just thought this was interesting. You know, in John 6, Jesus says that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. There's the promise. He's the bread. So, hey, if I cling to him for bread, hey, I'm never going to hunger. I'm never going to thirst. I, we're not talking physically. <laughs> I want to get hungry by lunchtime, right? But, but, but we're talking spiritually. In John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Oh, here's the promise. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, in John 9, Jesus says, I am the door. Uh, here's the promise. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, have life, and will go in and out and find pasture. And here we are now in, in, in John chapter 11, and Jesus makes two statements, and he gives two promises. But if we were to summarize that, again, he says, I am the resurrection. If you believe in me, though you may die, you will live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So there's, again, there's this promise with resurrection and promise with life. But if we were to summarize it, what Jesus is saying is whoever has eternal life and believes in him will never die because he is the resurrection and the life. You realize that there are two things that that demands. There are two responses that requires. One, that means you've actually experienced the transforming of God's power in your life, his redemptive work. It's, that, it's the gospel reality that your, that your life, full of darkness, full of sin, full of depravity, that has been changed, and now you are getting to experience eternal life, that this life abundant, the life of Christ, that, 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 that sin nature has been dealt with on the cross, and now you are experiencing his resurrection spiritually. But interestingly, it also demands that you believe, that you're in this position of belief, that you're in this position of trust. You're in this position of clinging to Jesus as your parachute for life because he is your sole means of salvation. Do you have that? Do you have that same response as of Martha that just says, Jesus, you're it. Jesus, I put my hope and my trust in you. Hey, Jesus, it doesn't matter what I'm dealing with circumstantially. It doesn't matter what craziness is going on around me. It doesn't matter what kind of death. It doesn't matter what kind of, does not matter what, is, what I'm having to deal and walk through because the reality is you're the resurrection who's going to pull me through any circumstance and bring forth life in the midst of my death. Do you have that response? Could we place our hope and trust in Jesus? And perhaps now in this season, unlike ever before, Jesus needs to be our resurrection and our life. Oh, I want that for you. I want that for me. Let's pray. Lord, you are the resurrection and the life. It's not that you just give resurrection. It's not that you just give life. You are resurrection. You are life. Lord, would you be my resurrection? Hey, would you be my life? Lord, with all the stuff that's swirling around, and with all the death, with all the craziness, with all the circumstances, with all the scenarios, could you, would you yank me through all of this? Hey, would you be my present reality? Hey, would you be my current hope? 
And yes, Lord, I, I thank you that we have a future resurrection. Lord, I thank you that we do have a future hope. I thank you that we do have life abundant for all eternity with you. But Lord, I don't, I don't want to get so wrapped up in the future that I miss what you're wanting to do in my life right now. And so Lord, right now, would you be my resurrection and my life? Hey, would you remove every fear? Would you remove every bondage? Would you remove just all that depressive stuff? Hey, would you remove all that all the darkness. Hey, would you remove all the death? Would you remove all the, and would you be the resurrection and the life? Lord, in the middle of this season, when, when all the fear and all the turmoil and all the uncertainty and all the, okay, could you be the hope? Could you be the focus? Could you be the delight? Hey, could, could I have a joy and a hope and life in you that when the world sees my life, they're just so dumbfounded by the reality that, wow, you are not normal. <laughs> because here I am, I'm facing death, and you, you're full of life and hope. What is it, Jesus? So, Lord, would you, would you be my resurrection? Would you be my life in this season? Not just in this season, but for every day of the rest of my life. And, Lord, in some future day when I experience a physical resurrection and this, the fullness of life abundant. Or may it just be an extension of what I'm experiencing every single moment of the day. Lord, I thank you that you are our resurrection and our life. That I don't have to turn to anything for life. I don't have to look for anything to, for, to satisfy or fulfill. I don't have to turn to anything. I, I just need you. Because you're everything that I need for life and for godliness. So, Lord, I just surrender my fresh, uh, afresh today and just say, have at it. Be my life. Be my source. Be my focus. Be my hope. Lord, I want to put my trust in you. Oh, Lord, you're so good. We love you. Just give the praise and the glory. Just pray all this in your holy and precious, very powerful name. Amen.